hello everyone. I'm Mark Weinstein and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. We're off to a great start in season number nine after last week's program with David Carr. And if last week's program was inspiring to you, today's program should be even more so. That's because I'm talking with Carrie Oberbrunner, the new Barry Chair of Entrepreneurship at Cedarville University. Carrie is a man on a mission. But that's not always been the case, and we'll learn more about why this was the case later on the podcast. He is a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, a publisher, and he loves infusing his passion for free enterprise and entrepreneurship with anyone who will listen. Kerry is a native of Milwaukee, but today he calls suburban Columbus, Ohio, home. It's my pleasure to welcome Kerry Oberbrunner to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Kerry, welcome to the program. It is great to be here, Mark. Well, there's a lot that I want to talk about with you in the time we're together, including your vision for the Barry Chair of Entrepreneurship at Cedarville University. But before we get to that point in the program, and there'll be plenty of time for that, I really want to begin the program by hearing your heart and hearing your faith story. So I know you came from a family where your dad was a pastor, but how did you meet Jesus and make that commitment to him? So I came out of a very, I would say, uh, loyal uh, family to the Catholic faith. Okay. And, you know, grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, as you mentioned. And back then it was a tradition. You know, you you are born and you get baptized. You go to Catholic yeah. grade school. You take First Communion. And, and nothing was wrong with that, but it wasn't the personal relationship that I, that I know I needed. And so kind of outside of that ritualism, my parents began to teach me, listen, you, you need to accept Jesus in your heart. And as a very young kid, I believe I did have a big sensitivity to the Lord. And I remember before bed one night when I was very young, you know, I said, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that fully meant, but I knew that um, I was reaching out in faith. And just like the thief on the cross, he did not have a perfect theological grid. All he knew was he needed a savior and he knew that Jesus was a substitution for his sins. So that's what I did. I placed my faith in Christ. And then it was over the next few years where I began to say, listen, I want to get closer to Christ. And you know, eventually at the age of 12 became baptized, a public profession of a private decision. And I'll tell you what, Mark, everything was was great, but I did harbor this kind of like inward anger yeah. at, at myself for being imperfect. I, did, I knew grace mentally, but not personally. And I, that's where I want to go next, because just because you accepted Christ at a young age and was really serious about your faith as you kept growing, uh, mm-hmm. You were not immune to issues of struggle. You mentioned self-hatred. Uh, you yep. also uh, self-injured uh, uh, injured yourself. Yeah. So what was going on with you, and how did the Lord deliver you from this situation? I think the illustration I like to reference is the prodigal son, but probably not that story as people are used to. A lot of times people hear that story, and they're like, oh, yeah, I was the prodigal. I was the rebellious kid that— yeah. Ran away. I was the older brother. So I was the older brother who stuck close to the father and said, look, I'll just be, I'll just be perfect. I'll do, I'll, 
I'll slave away in the heat and I'll do everything right and I'll earn your good nature. I'll earn your favor. And in, in reality, one was far because of rebellion. The other was far because of religion. Okay. And so, Mark, that was me. I was the older brother and said, you know what? I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to pretend I'm perfect. But in reality, I know I'm not. And so I'm going to take out that anger through uh, cutting. And it was, uh, you know, that was my private addiction that I battled. I didn't tell anybody about it. It was the imprecatory Psalms, I say, this, this group of Psalms in the Bible, Psalm 69, Psalm 109, where David is so real to God. You know, I mean, he's just, he's angry and he's telling God and he's like, look, may you take my enemies and blot them out of the book of life. And, and Mark, we probably have never sang that song in church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, no. We probably never sang that. But I was like, wow, how can this guy be so real and be called a man after God's own heart? And so what, what I began to do, in fact, I have it right here, Mark, is I have my journal and I still have my journal, you know, like, and, and this is what I do, man. Like, this is my act of worship where I just began to pour out my heart. And it was not pretty. I mean, these were, these were some intense journal entries with some um, colorful language, but that's how much pain I was carrying for all these years. Yeah. And as I then took that anger and put it upon God, wow, that's when the transformation began to happen. And that's when, you know, God, I think, can deal with his children in a graceful way when they come to him. Satan tries to make us think that we can't come to God unless we're all cleaned up. And of course, that, that means never, right? Never, never, right. Yeah. So how long were you injuring yourself and yeah. how are you able to keep it away from your parents? So it started out at the age of 10 with biting. And I think that it was just uh, stress, overwhelm, pain. Uh, I had a stuttering problem, so I didn't really, as a young kid, I didn't really talk a lot about my feelings. You right. just kept inside, introvert. They took me to a counselor at the age of 10, and the, the counselor, of course, uh, didn't, didn't really know what to do. But I'll tell you what, I went through a deep journey, Mark, where I, I basically got my old files and saw what the doctor said. And there was a big clue that said, sorry, doctor, that I could not be at the appointment today. This is from my mom. Um, I'm still dealing with my stroke and uh, I could not make it with Mike and Carrie. Big light bulbs, Mark. I'm like, oh my gosh, of course. In other words, I had parents who were sick a lot, like, and I'm, I'm talking really sick, like deathly sick a few times. And that was some of that anger. So here I was acting out the anger of almost losing my parents, but not not talking it out, uh, using my arm to bite, you know. Yeah. It turned into then cutting, but this was not like every day and I wasn't some depressed kid. In fact, I was the college chaplain at Grace College where, really? you, and I, where you and I went. I mean, on the outside, everyone was like, oh, this guy's an achiever. He's a great guy. I was not some depressed guy. I just, I just hit it all. I was really good at wearing a mask. So for those who are listening to the program and know you, Carrie, they know yeah. that you're full of energy today, vision. Oh uh, yeah. You, you've started several businesses, including a publishing company. You serve as the buried chair of entrepreneurship at Cedarville. But before all that, you identify yourself as a wanderer uh, in Milwaukee without really any aspiration, including you didn't even have aspirations to go to college. 
When yeah. did when when did that change? Because that guy that I yeah. I hear about is not the guy I'm talking to today. Right, right. Well, listen, you know, I I basically went from high school to a small missions institute called New Tribes yep. Bible Institute, and now it's called now it's called Ethnos Three Sixty. I think they even have a booth at Cedarville when you guys have your missions conference. I Correct, believe. they do. I, they do. Yeah. yeah. So I said, look, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Uh, my sister went to missionary training school. I'll go there. So I went okay. there and I liked academics. I like studying. So I'm like, okay, where should I go next? Well, my girlfriend was going to Grace College. So I thought I'm going to see if they transfer my credits. So I'll, sure enough, I apply there. They transfer my credits. Do you, do you ever remember a guy named Dave Plaster? Oh, Dr. Plaster. Or, or Dr. We, we, we knew him as Pastor Plaster because he was, yeah. when I was in school, he was a pastor of uh, Warsaw Community Grace Brethren Church. Absolutely. So, yeah. so I go to Grace College. Day one, my girlfriend dumps me. Really? Really. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, should I stay or was this a sign? Anyway, I stay. Dave Plaster begins to mentor me. And I study to become an Air Force chaplain. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to Air Force Chaplaincy. All set to go, apply for the medical. And they say, have you had asthma? I mean, I've said yes, you know, because I did, I, I had asthma. And she stood up and shut the door and said, do not ever say that again. Here's a pen, check the box that you've never had it or you'll never get in. Oh, but wow. here I am with a moral crisis. And I honestly thought about lying. I'm like, well, there's my seminary tuition. There's my title. There's everything. All I need to do is check a box. Mark, I went out in the car. I said, I, I got to think about it. And I knew I couldn't do it. But again, there's a more anger at God, like, God, why are you giving me these dreams and shutting these doors, you know? So my default then was to become a pastor. So I became a pastor, small country church, and then a larger suburban church. And everything was cool until I got bored. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean... After about 12 months, I'm like, cool, what's next? Let's roll. You know, like I didn't realize I was an entrepreneur. Yeah. And, and a lot of the church, nothing against the church, but a lot of the church mindset is, is very slow and, uh, you know, not very innovative, not all churches, but, but I felt like that church was, was, you know, so I kind of had to always be doing something. So what did I do? Did a doctorate. Then I did book one. Then I did book two, three, four, five. And finally, after book Five, I'm like, you know what? I think I want to apply at Cedarville. I, I really did. I felt, yeah. called, I felt called to apply at Cedarville as the Bible professor. Dr. Bill Rudd, who was on the board at that point, um, you know, he married Kelly and me, my wife, and Kelly went to Cedarville. And he's like, look, I got, you know, a few connections. I'll try to connect you with the right people. Anyways, Mark, they, they rejected me. I know. I heard that story. I don't know how they could do that. Well, listen, it's fine. It's fine. God wanted me to become an entrepreneur. So shortly right. after, I, I got connected with John Maxwell and said, look, I'm going to take this thing big time. And so I just, what I did, honestly, Mark, as I said, I'm going to turn a book into 18 streams of income, not because I wanted to be rich, but because I wanted to impact people. I knew that when people put a book down, they're on to the next book. And then they're on to the next book. So what did I do? I turned my book into a coaching program and courses and seminars and masterminds and conferences. And, and then after that, 
people began to say, wow, how are you doing this? And that's where the business then blew up. And that became my, my business to, to help other people turn their books into 18 streams of income. When did you write your first book and who helped influence you down this journey? One, there had to be some college professors who really, besides, yeah. besides Dr. Plaster, but yes. how, when did you write your book and who helped you get there? Oh my gosh. I, I love the college time period because it's so, people are so open and so hungry. And there's life changes that are being made every single day. Like, who are you going to marry? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go with your life? And I think people are just at a very fragile but influential time. And so Absolutely. that was me. And so I can still remember my professors, Dr. Skip Forbes, Dr. Paulette Sauters, Dr. Herb Bateman, like all these people just began to pour into me. And I just was a sponge. And I began to meet with them outside of class and mentorship. And I think they just began to sow seeds in me that writing was kind of a thing. And, and I might have a gift for it. But it was very rough. It was unpolished and that type of thing. But uh, Relevant Magazine mm -hmm. actually had a publishing company way back in the beginning. And they published uh, my first book called The Journey Toward Relevance. And it was a book about how to be in the world but not of the world. And that book was my first book and it published in 2004. So, so I'm, I've almost been in the publishing world now for 20 years. Yeah, so you wrote this book, but do you think that writing your journal, you think journaling really played a role in you cultivating? Oh my gosh. Journaling was, I mean, yeah. So you look at God's sense of humor, you know, what got me out of self-injury? Journaling, following after David in the Psalms. Then that, that expression was polished and rough, and then it turned into this masterpiece, I guess you'd say. And um, my first books weren't amazing, but they were safe books, Mark. I tell okay. people, my first three books were very safe. They were theological. I didn't need to show up in the book. I was just writing about a topic. And then God kind of tapped on my, my heart and said, I want you to write your self-injury story in a book. And I was like, no way. I'm not writing that in there. Nobody knows my story. My parents don't even know. But I kept feeling, Mark, that God was saying, you need to do this. And I felt like he was saying, if you don't, you'll miss out on a big blessing. Yeah. And so that is the first book that I, that I wrote where I was real. It's called Your Secret Name. And it talks about how all believers have a new name in Christ that's bigger than their birth name, bigger than their given names, positive or negative. And I basically pulled this from Revelation 2, where it talks about the overcomer written uh, uh, with the new name on a white stone. And you look at Jacob and Israel and Saul and Paul, and it goes on and on. But when people met Jesus, they had a new name. Get this, Mark. It's somewhere around here. Here it is. Check this out. Your listeners can't see it, but there's my new name written free. on a white stone. Free. It's free. Free, and it comes from Galatian. Galatians 5, 1, it is for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. Stop subjecting yourself to a yoke of slavery. And so that was the new name where I felt like God was saying, stop carrying this big burden. 
I have set you free, Carrie. And so that book is what kind of got me on the 700 Club and a lot of media and yeah. God had a blessing. And, and bigger than that, though, it actually helped people uh, change their, well, their lives. So when you think of your name, Free, do you ever think about your past and just marvel at where the Lord has taken you? Or do you do that every day and out of, and out of a heart of gratitude? I'll tell you what, there might be somebody listening right now who's really bummed and they're thinking about suicide. I thought I had thought about suicide quite a bit as a teen. And what I was very scared of doing, Mark, the only thing that kept me alive was because I didn't want to show up to heaven early <laughs> for God to say, what are you here for? Look at all I was going to do through you. Yeah. And then live in regret. And so that's the little hope that I had, man, was like, can God do something even through me? A yeah. bald guy with the girl's name. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you say that before. So while we're still talking about books, one of your books, uh, Day Job to Dream Job, yep. was, was released at the prison where the famous movie Shawshank Redemption was filmed in Mansfield, Ohio. Yes. How did, how did that opportunity come to be? Oh, my gosh. You got to make opportunity happen. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'm sitting here. Zondervan actually saw so they gave me a two book contract. You know, Baker gave me a two book contract. Anyway, here I am supposed to write another book for Zondervan. And, and I'm thinking like, ah, what is the what what should be the theme? And then I'm watching Shawshank Redemption one night late while I was feeding a kid a bottle because, you know, we had three little kids <laughs> and I'm watching Shawshank. And I said, oh, my gosh. This movie is a metaphor for people who are stuck in their day job. Mm. That, that's what I actually thought. I thought Shawshank is a, is a metaphor for somebody who hates their job. And it's 86% of the population. And they become institutionalized. And so they stick around. Well, guess what? Andy breaks free and he goes to Zihuatanejo. And then I thought, that's your dream job. So then I thought, well, gee, there's part one, part two, part three. Part one is prison. Yep. Part two is plan. Part three is payoff. So I said, that's it. And I told, I told Zondervan, hey, listen, can I write a book? Can it be called Escaping Shawshank? They're like, no, that makes no sense. So they, <laughs> they said, make it day job to dream job. Anyway, Mark, I, I, I Googled it because I'm not from Ohio. And I'm like, wow, this is Ohio. I am going up there. So I asked my wife, hey, listen, can I go up there? She said, what are you going up to Shawshank for? I said, I don't know. I'm just going to find a way. I'm going to go inside the prison and ask if I can write the book in Andy's cell. So oh, Mark, great. this is how entrepreneurs do it, man. I went into the gift shop, explained myself, met a woman named Felicity. She said, here's the Wi-Fi password. There's Andy's cell. Go for it. So I actually wrote the book in Andy's cell. How long did it take you to write that book? Well, in, that, in, in I, his cell, in his cell, I only wrote a small section because I, if my wife wasn't going to let me go away from the kids and her for that long a time, but <laughs> I wrote part of the book in that, in that cell. But then here's the coolest part. Little did I know a year later that they were going to have the 20th reunion. Right. And then later on the 25th, I, actually, they invited me to both. And I spoke and launched the book. I have a picture right above me with the, the warden, Bob Gutton from the movie, 
So here I am launching Day Job to Dream Job at Shawshank Prison with the warden. It, it, it hit a bunch of media. It was, it was surreal. That's a fabulous story. Shawshank Redemption is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It's a great movie. I've enjoyed our conversation. We still have uh, much more to talk about, but in our final moments together, Carrie, let's move into the, your desire to work at Cedarville. You mentioned it uh, a little bit ago about uh, wanting to work at Cedarville years ago, got rejected. What was your reaction when you got that rejection letter? And do you still have the rejection letter? I still have the rejection letter, man. I saved it. Absolutely. And I showed Dr. White and uh, Dr. Heyman. I don't hold anything against them. It wasn't the right time. It clearly was not the right time. And for anybody listening, I just want to encourage them. If God has given you a dream, just like Abraham, you know, Abraham tried to make it happen in improper ways. Don't compromise your integrity. Just keep hanging on because God does not, you know, it says the, uh, the, the callings of God are irrevocable. Like God does not take back right. the, this desire that he's put inside you. So, so Mark, I just became an entrepreneur and, and I started two companies. I started that Igniting Souls Publishing. And then I also started a blockchain company in 2021 where we protect intellectual property with digital assets, which a fancy name is NFTs, and they, they become smart contracts and live on the blockchain. And it's, it's amazing. But anyway, I didn't think about Cedarville much until our son did college visits. And then when he did college visits, he said, I want to go to Cedarville. I'm like, great. I didn't even tell him like, hey, dad applied there once. <laughs> I, just, I just looked into it. Kelly looked into it. And we thought that Cedarville, honestly, I'm not even saying this because I'm now an employee, <laughs> but we didn't feel comfortable with a lot of Christian colleges out there. Right. And I thought, wow, you know, we're going to trust our oldest child to these colleges. And, and there's not a core value match. There's not a worldview match until we found Cedarville. And so he said he wanted Cedarville. We're like, sweet. That was in October, okay? Of last year? Of last year. And now, okay. now, he, now he doesn't start um, until uh, 2024. But again, we got him early into the visits. Okay. In comes December. And I, I've been associated with the International Center for Creativity, your innovation campus. Mm -hmm. And Jim Stevenson and Tom Balliot. And... I run sometimes my Igniting Souls events there. So they say to me, hey, listen, why don't you come to our Christmas party on December 5th? So I go to that Christmas party. And again, that night I was like, ah, should I go? Shouldn't I go? I don't know. My wife's working. I don't know. I don't want to go by myself, but I guess I will. Anyways, I go. Yeah. And this guy, uh, Travis Smith, who's on your board, I guess. The advisory board for the, the school advisory. business. Right. Yeah. So Travis says, hey, you know, what are you all about? And you wrote a book on blockchain and blah, blah, blah. And he said, he said, you need to apply to Cedarville. And, and Jim and Tom had been telling me about the Barry Chair of Entrepreneurship for, for a couple of years. And they said, you need to apply. And again, I, I just, whatever, I don't know. I, I just didn't apply. Anyway, Travis says, tomorrow morning, I'm connecting you to Dr. Jeff Heyman and Dr. Jeff Guernsey. And in my mind, honestly, I thought, yeah, whatever. Like, sure, you'll connect me. Yeah, whatever. But then sure enough, in the morning, I wake up and there's an email. And, <laughs> and, and these guys are, are like progressive in a good way. They say, why don't you teach a class? 
And so that turned into literally three weeks later, me going through all the interviews and writing the curriculum for the future of digital marketing class. And I told them I am interested in the Barry chair with certain qualifications, and I'm sure they have their qualifications or stipulations. Long story short, this was a 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. class, and we were going to do five sessions, and it was a one-credit hour, and it was, I told them, you test me, I'll test you, and if we both like it, let's chat about the Barry chair. Mark, I taught that first class, and I drove home, an hour home. And I was so on fire. I was so amped. Oh my gosh. I said, this is, this is what I was created for, man. This is amazing. These students are hungry. And, and God just like confirmed it. And then students began saying, you know, we want you to come. And it was just so clear. But then I had to go through the application process. And the, the application process is no joke. Oh, no. We're serious about the application process. Oh my gosh. Big shout out to Cedarville. They put me through so many interviews and chats and meetings. And, but I felt good in the process. I said, if this is what they're doing so that my son gets the right instructor, go for it, you know? Yeah. And sure enough, after all the interviews, and then I, I kind of said, look, can I still run my businesses? Because I'm going to be an entrepreneur and the students like it when I talk about entrepreneurship. And I, they tell me it gives me credibility. And, and they said, we want you to keep your businesses because we want you to be credible. Anyway, Mark, it, it has turned out to be a wonderful thing. I've already helped a couple students start their businesses. So even though I'm not officially employed yet, um, I already have students reaching out to me. I'm so happy that we started one the other day, got her an LLC with the Secretary of State. I love this. It is amazing. You're going to do great things uh, here at Cedarville and with our students. So I'm so glad that you're part of our team. So I think about your transition to to your role. The thought that comes to my mind is, like, why does an entrepreneur with the energy and vision that you have really want to do both? I mean, yeah. is, there, is there enough time in the day for you to teach well and to run your business as well? Yeah, great question. So a couple, couple things. I run our business on what's called EOS. It stands for Entrepreneur Operating System. It's a book by Gino Wickman. He wrote a book called Traction. Yep. There's actually over 100,000 companies now that run on EOS. It's more of a mindset. It's more of a philosophy. But what it says is that the owner of the business many times is the visionary. And as the visionary, they need a really good integrator. The visionary is the big picture person, the person that kind of perhaps seals the big deals, creates the partnerships, leads in the direction of business. The integrator is the one who essentially runs the day-to-day. And so I moved into this several years ago and found the perfect integrator. She has 20 years in the industry of publishing at Scholastic. And if you remember those days where they used to, they still do. So Sarah Grandstaff is our integrator president and I'm the visionary CEO. And already Sarah is doing uh, amazing. I brought her in from day one into the Cedarville conversation and said, look, if this is going to happen, are you cool with running the businesses day to day? And and she is. And so 
Uh, with permission, we've already hired several Cedarville students. And again, I, I try to be above board with everything, but I'm, I'm giving these um, students a chance now to do social media marketing for clients and uh, project management. And so it is amazing. But do I have enough energy? I'm the type of guy that needs to take a sleeping pill. Mark, I'm telling you, man, I don't know. I just feel like God's given me a ton of energy. I love health and working out. And so it's pretty much God, faith, family, uh, health, work. That's it, man. I don't really do a ton of other things. Well, as I, I have one more question, but before I get to that one, I go back to the time when you were on staff at the Grace Church in Powell. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you were bored. I don't yep. see you, I don't see you getting bored in your new job here at Cedarville. No, no. There's always a student to invest in. I liked I liked being a pastor, but it was I knew it wasn't like the final place. But I just I also look look at Cedarville in an exciting way still having at least a small role in my kids' lives. Absolutely. You know, because this is their friends. This is their peers. All Around all this time too, Mark, was the whole Jesus revolution when I was praying about all this and the Asbury revival was going on during all this. I'm like, wow, God, you're doing something amazing in the young people and I want to be part of it. So I'm not saying God created those revivals just because I was praying about Cedarville, but I am saying that in my own heart, that was real confirmation to say, yeah. look, there's something going on with this new generation. Yeah. Carrie, I have about 60 seconds left. What's your vision for your academic program at Cedarville University and for your students? Yes. I believe I want, number one, for students to realize that they are all entrepreneurs. And I know that's a little edgy, but I'm just telling you, in today's marketplace, you really need to think of yourself as a brand, mm -hmm. every single person. It's not like it used to be where you were part of a company for 30 years and that was your thing and your identity was the company. Everybody is a unique brand today. Social media makes that obvious. You can be taken down or promoted or penalized based on what you post on social media that says you are a brand. Right. And we all need to think like entrepreneurs. And if we become biblically based value creation men and women, we will get the attention of the world where they begin in Matthew 5 to say, look at these people's good works. I'm going to glorify the heavenly father, even though I don't know who that is necessarily. Something is unique about these people. So I, I'm going to just equip them with how to create value in the marketplace and think like an entrepreneur, regardless of their business. Okay. I'm going to throw one, one more curveball in our final second. So how do you build a brand? And which means really uh, you're, you're creating a niche and you're creating a presence for yourself mm -hmm. and still be humble about that. It's a great question. I would just tell people that humility is maintained, not attained. And here's what I mean by that. If I ever say, you know what, I got it. I got it figured out. I got this branding thing. I got success figured out. There's my downfall. Right. Sol Solomon thought he attained wisdom and look at his folly later right. in life. Right. Instead, he didn't realize that his wisdom was maintained 
with a tight relationship with the Lord. Right. So you bet every day, man, I better wake up. I better look at my journal, my scripture, my prayer, my father in heaven and say, look, help me because I could make a really stupid decision today. Great advice. And it's a great way to end today's Cedarville Stories podcast. Carrie, I, I, I look forward to seeing you more on campus in the coming years. And uh, I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom today on the Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me, Mark. I can't wait to invest in all these amazing people. Great. Have a blessed day. I want to thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.